This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 416 for Thursday, September 30th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Ryan Murphy is here. You can find him at rmurphy on Twitter, and you can listen to him on The Gamers In, Zombies Ate My Podcast with our friend Lou, and Dungeons and Diapers. Ryan's been on the show a number of times. Uh, we'll have all the links to social media and stuff like that in the show notes for this episode welcome back my friend hello hello happy to be back i i wonder if uh alongside you know rule number one don't talk about weather rule number two don't talk about the last time you were on because you forgot how long it's been (laughs) i i didn't look it up beforehand (laughs) even though we had we did have time um but it feels like it's been a while so i'm happy to be back i know we've been planning through the summer to, to to get me back on so we could talk about video games um but gosh, now I feel like it has been a while because I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was like right after you got your Xbox, maybe? It could have been. It was probably around that. It was probably around, you know, spring Steam sale and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, looking for resources, things to play on the Xbox, uh, which I still am, actually. Uh, and there was a recent, uh, what was it, XCOM was the recent event early in September that happened? Or was that August? Yeah, I think it was it was late August. It was Gamescom, yeah. yeah. And yeah, the last time it was on was February and it was uh it was Xbox related. So, mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. yeah, it's um we're doing good keeping it keeping it every 6 to 7 months. So, <laughs> consistency is shabby. key, right? It's not speedy consistency, but it's consistency. Well, you know, expectations are met, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of expectations uh, and staying true to our uh, video game chat, which uh, I know has kind of been been dominating the Citadel Cafe as of late, but I just haven't been watching a whole lot. I've been mostly playing uh, my entertainment recently, uh, but I, I caught a, a Polygon article talking about the most anticipated games coming this fall. I did sort of keep my eye on the XCOM announcements and and other things coming out from Nintendo Direct and, and whatnot, even though I don't have a Nintendo system to play anything on. Um I can't say I'm overly interested in a lot that's coming. Um, A lot of the stuff that I've seen released, especially in the Polygon article that we'll have linked in the show notes, looks like it could be played on the GameCube. Like I can appreciate that indie games have to have some lower graphic stuff and sometimes it might even just be one person making the game. But I spend a lot of money on my Xbox Series X and it's a very powerful system. I don't want to play something that looks like Minecraft or um human fall flat or like any of these really low poly very stylized games on it uh not not that they aren't good games it's just like i feel like i'm like why am i playing it on an xbox series x when i could play it on you know an old laptop or something um there are a few things that have caught my eye Uh, i've certainly mentioned forza horizon 5 on the show before so that's that's on the top of my list also halo infinite is coming uh coming this fall i believe and uh i may i may give one of the new call of duties or the new battlefield a try just to have something that is going to take advantage of the hardware on the xbox series x 
Um, what what are you looking forward to uh, in terms of video games coming up this fall? I think it's important to note like a lot of 2021 targeted games uh, have really slipped into 2022 uh, and beyond just due to the the pandemic like a lot and some of the games mentioned um are games that were like halo infinite specifically was supposed to launch uh last year and that had a rocky development just due to the the scope of the project and um having a lot of their developers work from home and yeah like i i i totally understand that where you you've bought this new piece of hardware and i'm in the same boat where you uh, you're playing a lot of games that are either bridging the gap between the the previous generation and the current generation so there's not that huge leap forward um and i think we have to remind ourselves that this happens this has happened in the last couple generations as well where there is this like two year and probably going to be expanded due to the due to the pandemic where um there is that stretch of time early in the console's lifespan where you're not getting you're not hitting those same ooh this this is really pushing the hardware i mean if you compare uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which launched with the PS4, to um, God of War 2018, there's that four-year difference, but there's a huge leap in terms of uh, how the game looks. But I, I think for me, uh, you know, I see Call of Duty and Battlefield, and they certainly do push the new hardware. I, I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just me realizing that. Um, I've 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 kind of never been really into shooters except for except for Halo, but I'm I'm not like into the whole like you know modern warfare war games anymore. Like they're not they don't necessarily um, interest me as much. Uh, but I can appreciate that they really do push the hardware, so they are are probably a good a good get. And I mean with Game Pass, I am probably likely to try Battlefield because it should be as part of the EA play trial right you should get like 10 hours of it at at the very least so yeah i I might check that one out just due to game pass Uh, i mean a lot of these games are are game pass but yeah uh, forza's game pass Uh, i believe halo infinite is going to be game pass uh there's a number of other things that are coming out too that i have bookmarked um Mm -hmm. but yeah like i i'm looking forward to that kind of stuff with halo infinite um i tried to play the first one and it was okay for the first few levels but then eventually i just i kind of just fell off and just didn't get back into it um if someone's coming into the halo series uh because there are so many games uh is there a jumping on point for people Hmm. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll have to play the first three and then the spinoffs and read the books and watch the <laughs> movies, TV. Sh- no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that with Halo Infinite, they are trying to create and craft um, a story that can be enjoyed with no prior knowledge, but also uh, feed the fans as well in terms of like a continuation. Because right. there has been, you know, a story really like. Halo 1 through 3 and anything that kind of is adjacent to those experiences can probably be summarized in a in a 5 minute video of like here's here are the highlights the highlights you're going to need to know going into the the sequel trilogy which is Halo 4 5 and, and Infinite um but like 4 kind of sets a new you know uh, a, a tangent and then 5 kind of goes in a, in a different direction and then infinite appears to be going in, a, in, a, in, in another direction. So I think, yeah, you could probably jump straight into infinite. And I think what you want to know is just who these, who the core characters are, which would be master chief, right. um, 
Cortana should should play a large part because there was a big big cliffhanger at the end of five in, in regards to her. Um, but like as for deeper lore, I don't know, like understanding who the Covenant is, who who keep popping up as bad guys, but also not bad guys. Like there's some there's some history there with with Halo. Like the Covenant are very much the bad guys in in the original trilogy. And when that trilogy ends, there's it kind of shifts a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I don't think you need to play the old ones. I think getting a getting a primer, um, a lot of websites offer like everything you need to know about Halo in five minutes. I know IGN runs that right. series. That'd yeah. probably be a, a decent place to start because returning to those old games is, is probably just going to put you off the new one because right. they are old. Yeah. They're not, they're not recent. Um, but yeah, I would advise like just, just getting, getting an update. And if you're really itching to, to play some Halo, uh, Halo five being the, the most recent one, it's very playable. And if you did want to start, yeah, four, four should give you i remember when i played four like that was the last time there was a a large gap between games and they summarize like the key plot points that you need to know going into that one right um but four five and infinite you could probably if you're really itching you could probably skip one two and three um as well as reach and and odst still good games but You've only got a couple months. So yeah, my gosh, it really a lot. That that's the other thing I too I find daunting as well. Like I see these titles that I know are really good, like uh, Gears of War. Another thing that's part of Game Pass. All of them are there, <laughs> including the mm-hmm. tactics one, which is not my style of game. But like, I just you know you look at it like, do I start at one? Do I have to start at one? Can I jump in somewhere else? Like it just it's now the one thing I like about um, Assassin's Creed. Uh, with Valhalla on my shortlist for something to play this fall while I wait for other things to come out because of delayed launches. Um, Valhalla is probably something that's going to look really nice on the Xbox Series X. Uh, And I know that most Assassin's Creed games, at least now, are not like tied to one another. They are thematically in terms of how the, like what the gameplay loop is, but like you don't need to have played Black Flag in order to understand what's happening with, with Valhalla, right? So no. that that stuff is appealing that you can kind of jump into um, an Assassin's Creed game and just kind of go from there. So yeah. any anything yeah, he, on your on your watch list, like anything on your short list that you know is coming? Well, for me, I um, you know I'm really looking forward to Metroid Dread. I do have a Switch. I love the Metroid games and the fact that we're finally getting a um, a proper follow up to Metroid uh, Fusion, which was a Game Boy Advance game. Um, Metroid Dread has been a game that's been in in and out of development for the last 20 years or so. So getting this game uh, on the Switch October 8th, I'm really looking forward to that. So like literally under a week. So it's crazy how how quick October has, has snuck up on us. But uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, back for Blood, I'm sure when Lou's back on the show, he will also echo this. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to Back for Blood, which is a sort of a left for dead spiritual successor same developers um and that one's going to be on game pass as well and uh that one's out october 12th and you know there's just other little ones i'm looking forward to but i think for me like i'm curious about guardians of the galaxy only because i really like the developer and i really like the source material but i'm like you know, licensed game, it's really tough to tell if it's going to be a, a, a solid experience until you get reviews in your hands, right? Mm. So, and that would be a full price game. Like, it's not like it's something that 
it will come will come to game pass right away you know um it it's it's tough to say but uh i i am looking forward to you know dark pictures anthology they 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 usually have a new entry every year uh house of ashes is the next one um it's coming out to everything except for the switch and that one's out october 22nd but it's more of a like a co-op like it can be played co-op but it's like a narrative choice driven game with puzzles and and stuff and that one i played co-op last time and it was a lot of fun to kind of go through a co-op so i'm looking forward to being able to do that again and it's it's kind of an interesting it's like i don't really like horror films but this one is a really cool one in that you you actually get to play through a really solid you know uh you know uh i almost said holiday (laughs) it's not a i guess it is a holiday but not a christmas story it's a you know a, a a horror story so it's it's interesting and then they're a lot of fun. Um, there's two already out that you can probably pick up for next to nothing with Man of Medan and uh, um, Little Hope. So if you're interested in those, I, I highly recommend going back because they're solid, great animation, um, great acting. It's all like mocap and stuff. So they really put presentation front and center, you know. Uh, Man of Medan was um, something Megan played and talked about on mm. the podcast i don't remember what episode but if people want to go to the sizzlecafe.com the search function is pretty solid i tend to tag most things uh you'll be able to find the episode i'm sure because uh, i think i've even used i might have even used cover art from that game for the title card for that show but i do remember her talking about how much she enjoyed the story like really story driven like really enjoyed the acting that kind of stuff um i'm looking at um back for blood because that seems to be like advertised to me a lot uh, probably because I played Destiny and and Battlefield uh, on the Xbox, and so it comes up as like coming soon to Game Pass and all this kind of stuff. And uh, boy, does it look gruesome! <laughs> it does not. It looks like uh, I mean I've seen some uh, still images from like the Doom, the modern Doom games, but like this Back for Blood thing, I'm not sure what this thing is that that I'm seeing. That it looks like it's about two stories tall. <laughs> it's got a bunch of like things growing out of it. It looks like it might have a couple of heads. Like it is yep. gross. <laughs> <laughs> gross yeah, looking it's a it's a zombie game um where i think it's got it, it takes like the standard zombie and, and moves a little bit past that with um mutations and monsters and whatnot so it's got that sort of gore factor and it's a it's a it's a four-player co-op um where you're running through with friends and it's got full cross play which is nice because i'm i'm yeah. planning to play it on game pass and and lou is uh, planning to play on steam and which is awesome nice. because i was worried oh man you know we're both so set in our ways like i've i've purchased this amount of game pass there's no way i'm buying this game <laughs> on steam when yeah. i when i've already invested yeah so, i agree um yeah i'm looking forward to it for zamp reasons for sure but um left for dead was always one of those games that i really thought could have been taken in interesting directions with uh, newer hardware and they just kind of dropped it. So I'm glad they're, mm. they're returning to the formula. Well, I had, I had fun the last time we played destiny together. So maybe include me in a possible third for yeah. um, back for blood. Cause it got, I'll have access with Xbox game pass. So yeah. All yeah. Good. No, we should totally do that. Cause I, I remember um, Lou's really looking forward to it. He's excited to play co-op and yeah, we, we, I much prefer to play with, uh, with, with people I know with this game because they had a beta and Lou and I couldn't connect over the beta weekend. So we ended up playing with just random people on the internet and you get, you get folks who are like just beelining it for the exit, which doesn't help because if you die, they, you need them to revive you. Mm. And, um, I'd rather play with friends where I know that 
we're going to stick together and do the objective. We're not just going to run off and do our own thing. So, um, absolutely. I'll, I'll make a note of that and I'll, I'll let Luno, I'm going to be talking to him later tonight actually. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll mention that. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Speaking of good times, we have a listener email, not something that happens a lot here on the Sizzle Cafe, but uh, always happy when it does. We have uh, a message from Grand277 about podcast recommendations. Dear Joel and Ryan, do you think that movies only being in theaters is a good thing since there is still a global pandemic? Are movie companies putting their customers at risk? I still love going to the movie theater, but I'm a little cautious about going. I am also a spoiled uh, consumer with Disney+. Plus. Even if you think it's perfectly fine to be in theaters, can you give me a good estimation as to when it will be streamable? I'm assuming they're probably, it's probably a rhetorical question aimed at like movie production companies saying like, hey, it's out in theaters, but when can I watch it on streaming? Um, I'm going on a trip to Florida soon and I would love to know some podcasts you like besides the Spun Chunks and the Daily Tech News Show. Uh, I know... Um, you won't let me down there. I feel sorry for the barista who has to take my long order. Sincerely, Grand277. Thanks very much for the message. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, do you want to start with the podcast recommendations? I can get, I can list those off pretty quick. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, when we were prepping the notes, I'm like, it'd probably be really bad if I just listed my own podcast because um, obviously we'll, we'll talk about those down the road, but I think if you're looking for podcast recommendations, like, um, I pulled a few out that, uh, that likely probably haven't been, um, recommended before, but, uh, Bridgewater is a new audio drama, uh, from the lore, um, production companies. So I think it's Aaron Mankey and, uh, but Bridgewater is a sort of audio drama about, um, it's got like a little bit of like, it's, it's very Halloweeny. It's got like, um, sort of a, like a, a bit of a cult story, a bit of a Bermuda triangle, a bit of a, you know, alien abduction type stuff. It's like about like folklore in this specific area. And it's got voice talents from, you know, it's got Will Wheaton. It's got Nathan Fillion. It's really well acted and it's almost done. So it likely be complete by the time you, you head out to Florida, depending on how old the email is, but, um, you could probably binge the whole thing. There's like, I think, 10 episodes out now, about 20 minutes each, and uh, they're really well put together. So you could likely finish that story, uh, depending on how long your your trek is. But uh, yeah, I recommend that one. And if you're looking for another tech podcast, uh, I really like the Brad and Will Make a Tech Pod, which is more of like a casual conversation about um, technology. And they do get into like some really you know, nerdy tech stuff that even like for me, it's like, oh, this is, I don't know what this is, but they, they talk about it in a way that's interesting and informative and it's just, it's, it's a lot more casual. Um, so that one's good. And if you're looking for a funny comedy podcast, uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend is still one of my favorite comedy podcasts and I don't watch late night stuff. I don't watch Conan O'Brien, but I really like his, his comedic, stylings and he's always interviewing like uh, celebrities i listened to one where just recently where he was talking to uh daniel ratcliffe the guy who played uh um harry potter and that was a really interesting conversation and also very funny as well and there's um there's a lot of good stuff with that feed and you can kind of like go through and pick you know your don't listen to all of them unless you really like conan and brian but like listen to the ones 
that first and foremost, listen to the ones that have actors that you're interested in, comedians that you're interested in, and that'll be a good starting point to get an idea if that podcast is for you. For me, I've got uh, just two, uh, both in very different categories. Uh, Keeping true with the gaming conversation, uh, the Gaming Careers podcast is a a really good show uh, hosted by Pete Wilkins. And uh, he does uh, gaming careers on YouTube, does a lot of uh, streaming gear review, does a lot of software review, uh, some tips and tricks for people getting started into streaming, but also people that want to take it to the next level, maybe make it a side hustle, part-time job, or even a full-time job. And the Gaming Careers podcast is basically like, it's like a tech news show, but it focuses on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, like streaming platforms, what policies have changes, what features are around, um, things like bots that are causing problems, like what challenges are happening, you know, in the, uh, in the streaming space and, uh, really well-spoken guy, um, Pete's, uh, from Britain, but, um, it's, uh, his co-host, I can't remember his co-host's name right now, but he's, uh, he's an American. And so there's, there's a nice kind of like cross the pond kind of balance of culture and stuff happening there. And, uh, I really quite like it. It's a, it's a good show. And um, they keep it tight. Like it's a pretty, pretty professional show. They have a lot to cover every week. So there's not a lot of fluff, which is, which is cool. Uh, The other one is the body nerd show. uh, And that is hosted by Alexandra Ellis. uh, And you can get that at bodynerdshow.lisbon.com. Ellis is a, um, a mobility coach. So she's like a fitness um, professional. But think more like um, physio than, say, necessarily a personal trainer. It's all about like joint mobility, um, not necessarily flexibility, but mobility. And uh, as someone that is getting back into the gym recently, you know, experiencing some aches and pains here and there and always wanting to take the time to do it right and see what concerns are with like what science has changed since the last time that I was training seriously uh, I found her account on TikTok actually, and uh, she's very articulate. She's really fun. And the things that she talks about in the short form that I see a lot are uh, really easy to follow. She breaks it down. She tells you the science, but it doesn't get overly complicated to like people that don't know anatomy. Like she goes, here's what this is doing, but here's what you need to know. It helps your ankles feel better or ankle mobility or the lack of ankle mobility will affect your knees and therefore your hips and maybe even your lower back. So just because you've got lower back pain doesn't necessarily mean that your back is the problem. And so um, she interviews other health professionals, doctors, physiotherapists, stuff like that on her show. Uh, Really informative. She obviously knows what she's talking about, but that's the body nerd show. Uh, And you can find that on on any platform. It was very easy for me to find online when I heard her talk about it on, on TikTok. Uh, as for movies and theaters, man, I, I get that these films take a long time to make and cost a lot of money and the production companies have to try and make that money back somehow. Um, I am on the fence about like whether or not I think that theaters should be pushing, um, movies in a pandemic, uh, on one hand, there are really important films like uh, Shang-Chi. And uh, yes, it's a blockbuster Marvel movie, but it's also important for um, Asian representation, you know, in superhero films and in major films. It was the number one movie in the world. It maybe still is um, for a number of weeks. 
And so that kind of stuff, like I can appreciate why that needs to go into theaters. Uh, but I'm with you, uh, Grand, on I really feel like they should at least inform you, like, hey, released in theaters, let's say August 25th, coming to Disney Plus November 12th. I feel like I would like to know that up front because if it's going to be a long time and I really want to see the film, I might go to the theater. But if it's going to be a short time or if it's a time that I don't know, like a time span that I don't know, the chances of me going to the theater are pretty slim, right? So if you want to drive me to the theater, tell me how long I have to wait. Um, Alternatively, what I would really like is just let consumers make the choice. You know, I'm okay for paying extra. You know, if that's how you want to run it, then sure. Uh, You know, it's released in theaters now you can watch it on, well, I'll use Disney Plus again as, a, as an example. You can watch it on Disney Plus now or go to the theater, whatever you want. But in a few months time, it'll be part of the Disney Plus, um, uh, like part of your membership without any extra fees. So I understand, you know, like the, the give and take there. But I think the, the, the way that the in terms of pandemic safety, I don't think that falls on movie producers. I think that falls on theater owners and and people running the facility to promote how they're running their facility, how they're making it safe, how, you know, what the seating arrangements are. Um, are you booking seats in advance online? So, you know, where you're sitting and how far away you are from other people, like all that kind of stuff. Um, because I currently train at the gym. Uh, I'm at the gym two to three times a week, if not more. Uh, I run into way more people at the gym doing a lot of breathing <laughs> than I ever would at a movie theater. But I balance that decision with the fact that it's healthy for me to go to the gym. It affects my health in a positive way. Sitting in a movie theater for two hours is not beneficial to me outside of just entertainment. Entertainment is low on the totem pole for me in terms of you know pandemic safety reasons. So I I don't see myself going back to theaters anytime soon unless there was some massive event that would bring me back like a new star wars trilogy starting uh if it was something like Endgame, like the end of a, of a series of movies that i just didn't want to miss um i can sort of even see the appeal of the latest james bond film saying like ah that's the kind of film i would really like to see in theaters but it's just i'm not a die hard fan in the same way that i am with like marvel and star wars and stuff like that. So because of having a nice big TV at home, I don't have a sound system, but like, at least I've got a big screen. I'm more than happy to wait until things hit, you know, the streaming services that I pay for. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't think it really falls on the, on the production companies. Cause those, I mean, you think about movies and you think about movie stars and big production companies, but they employ a lot of people that work really hard and have to deal with a lot of safety measures and all that kind of stuff. You know, think about every, everyone behind the camera from the people that do hair and makeup to the people that do cinematography, um, just people that do sound and stage dressing, like all that kind of stuff. That's a, that's a huge industry. And like I said, I don't think it's, it's on the production companies. I think they should promote their stuff. I think it's more about, I think it's more about production companies, maybe leading the charge with like, you know, day and date, at home or in the theaters and, and allowing customers to make a choice. Cause I think, I don't think movie theaters are going to go anywhere. I think the, the 
rush to movie theaters is never going to be the same. But I, I think that um, giving consumers the choice to watch it at home or go to the theater is is probably the ultimate way to go. Uh, what do you think? That's a very good point in that it's not up to the to, to the production companies to kind of um, make sure you're safe. They kind of have to hand that over to the local theaters. And I, and I think specifically here, uh, you know, in, in Ontario, Canada, where we've had, uh, we, I did go to the movies. Uh, I, I took my kids um, to see the Paw Patrol movie. And that was a movie that was available to rent, but, you know, it had been a long time since we had been to the theaters. And I think you're absolutely right. Like um, when it comes to going to the movies, it is all comes down to how, how safe you feel and, and how high on the, on the need versus want level it is. And I think there is this, uh, there is this, you know, I think personally like this mental health as well, where sometimes it can be nice to, to watch a movie and, and yes, the only place may be to watch it in theaters, but there is that experience of going to the theater and, and that comfort of, of being back in the theater. And I'm not necessarily saying like all movies, you have to go see them in theater, but, um, I like choice too. Uh, so like you have to kind of weigh that and, and determine like whether or not, um, you want to, you want to go back to the theaters. Like for example, with the Paw Patrol movie and bringing my kids, um, you have to wear masks the whole way through the, the building. Uh, you, uh, and then you can take the mask off once you sit in your seat and you can, now they've set it up where this is new to, to us, but, uh, specifically here, like you can see all the seats, you can preview the seats, you can tell how many tickets have been sold. As soon as you buy a seat, it blocks every seat around you, front, back, sides. So that was good. Um, that was, that also helped, but also you could see how busy it was going to be. You know, I haven't seen, you know, Shang-Chi in the theaters, even though I kind of wanted to, I want to see that, that I like to watch the new Marvel movies. But every time I looked at the seat preview, it was, you know, quote unquote, sold out. Right. It was a full house. Um, not every seat was sold, of course, because they do have to, right. you know, uh, yeah. adhere to social distancing. But it it was still packed. Like, you're still going to be busy in the halls. You're still going to be busy in the theater. But when we saw Paw Patrol, there was like, you know, three other families with us. There was no one around us. We It was as safe as safe can be, you know, like... It, how often they clean i don't know but like again it was it was a minimal risk and it was the kids really appreciated it. we had a great time and and there is something to that but i think like it all comes down to your comfort levels and the work that is being done by your local theater and if you have a theater that isn't adhering to local public health guidelines and stuff that's an issue is that on disney probably not it could it could help if disney like stepped in and said like hey make sure you follow all the rules for you know the eternals when it comes out in november or else but it's also led to a negotiation of how long a movie has to stay exclusively in theaters which has now been reduced to a minimum of 45 days so whether shang chi comes to um premium uh premier access on disney plus before it is available to everybody on november 12th uh we don't know because that was sort of my thing is like well i think i can wait till mid-october to to rent it um i think i'm comfortable with that because yeah like it didn't feel like a movie it's the same thing as venom too like it's not a movie that i that i'm worried about having spoiled for me but the new spider-man movie coming out in december 
that's a different story. I don't want that one to be yeah. spoiled. I want to be able to enjoy it on my own terms, right? So that's also another factor to, to think about too. Um, so yeah, it's tough. It is really a tough conversation. I understand that the way the movie industry is set up, it really depends on um, the amount of money they make at the box office and they have not yet been able to replicate that at home, um, even though they have certainly tried with the $30 rentals and stuff. But at the end of the day, they they haven't been able to replicate the box office at home, which is, I think, the biggest struggle. Um, but yeah, I am so glad that our local theater has survived because I do not want to drive an hour to go to the movies. Oh, so. yeah. No, I... Uh, there's there's a couple of theaters locally that I you know they're all Cineplex so like I would have options uh, if I wanted to go that that's the thing that I I think is the the tipping point is the cost of premium access and again I'm using Disney Plus because it's just easy to talk about um, that to me is it's still too pricey I agree that it's cheaper for you know a family of four to do that than it is to take them all to the theater. But when you're single and it's just you spending 30 bucks to watch a movie once, you know, I mean, I know you have access to it after you buy access, but it's just like that to me is just still too steep. And I think that there's that balance between what you charge and the number of people that will then do it. There's a lot of people that are not paying for premium access because it's too expensive and they'll just wait. Um, But if you make it nominal, I think a lot more people would be just like, oh, yeah, I'll spend five bucks and watch that early. Five is a low example, but I, I would spend the equivalent of what it would cost me to go to the theater. So if it was a $12 ticket and if it was a $12, you know, access on Disney Plus, I'd be watching stuff the day it comes out. Why not? You know, Spider-Man, um, uh, you know, Shang-Chi, like all that kind of stuff. I'd be like, sure, I'll spend the 12 bucks because I mean, I'm gonna, I would spend the $12 to go to the theater and there's no risk to me at home. You know, so that to me is is the balancing act, and and right now it's still still too expensive. I, and again, I know I know for families it's it's cheaper, but for single people it, it absolutely is not. Yeah, that is a very good point. And I mean, even for me, like uh, even though I have like three kids, like Shang Chi being a thirty dollar access, that's still just that's just for me, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like the argument can be, well, if you go to the movies and you buy a bunch of popcorn, it gets to be 30 bucks. But like, I know that popcorn money, actually, I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure the popcorn money does not go to Disney. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, um, I wish there was a, there was an easier way, but, but again, like I've heard, I've heard the arguments made that like, you know, a premium access at the beginning is just, you're, you're paying to watch it. And, uh, unfortunately it's just the Netflix model of everything is available to the subscription, you know, even if it comes to theaters, it, it, it just hasn't gone through to the rest of the industry. And I don't think it ever will, because again, like it's just, they make so much money at the box office mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a game of patience and, and how, how uh, diligent you want to be of muting keywords on Twitter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think uh, that's where it comes down to. So like with, with Shang-Chi, I, I basically, I just embraced it and, you know, whatever was spoiled was spoiled and, and that's fine. Um, but there are certain movies where you, you do want to experience it for yourself. So it, it really comes down to, you know, your personal sort of feelings on, on spoilers and, and how long you want to wait to watch something. But in my mind, like 
we waited a year for Shang-Chi, Venom 2, Eternals. I can wait a couple months, a couple more months to watch it on Disney. There's just so much entertainment these days that I'm content to wait if, uh, if I'm not feeling comfortable about going to the theaters, right? Moving on to what we've been watching, uh, I have been pleasantly surprised on Disney Plus by The Bad Batch. And you're probably thinking, wait a minute, Joel. I remember you saying that you didn't like The Bad Batch. And you're right. Um, I didn't like their implementation in The Clone Wars. But the standalone show, The Bad Batch on Disney Plus, which is about 16 episodes, uh, half an hour uh, cartoons, uh, is actually really well done. I'm, I'm really happy to be proven wrong. Uh, the trailers didn't do it justice. They sh- could have done a little bit of a better job kind of selling it. Um, it's not as kiddy as it looks, despite the fact that there is a kid involved, uh, in the adventure. If you're not familiar, the Bad Batch is a rogue group of clones from the Clone Wars in Star Wars. Uh, they are basically genetic defects or genetically enhanced experiments that just didn't pan out. Uh, they didn't destroy the clones. They, and then put them on like special ops. So think like black ops missions, that kind of stuff. Uh, unorthodox um, skill sets. Uh, you've got like a, a guy named Wrecker. He's a big, big, big dude. So he's super strong. You've got uh, Hunter, who's the leader. He's an excellent tracker and commander. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other people that are all involved. Um, I don't remember all the characters' names off the top of my head. Uh, I tried looking up on IMDb, but they don't list the individual characters. They just say that B- Bradley Baker just does the voices for everybody. So it's like, okay, well, that doesn't help me at all <laughs> trying to figure out who's who. Um, but uh, what's nice about it in, and what was so surprising about it was the um, the inclusion of Omega, which is the kid character that you'll see in any of the promotions. She's a clone too. So she was cloned on Camino, like the rest of the clones, as a medical assistant. So she's there to help the Kaminoans make more clones. So she knows all about clones, how they're made, how they operate, even though she's only like 10 or something uh, in the series. And um, through uh, a series of, of events, the Bad Batch are on the run. And they spend the series so far, at least the first six episodes that I've watched, uh, trying to evade, uh, capture, stay low profile, uh, but also get to the bottom of what's going on. Because one of the cool things that happens in the first couple of ep- episodes are you are witness to the execution of Order 66, which is where the clones basically uh turn on the jedi through pre-programming installed by emperor palpatine who commissioned the clones and he uses the clones to then create the empire so you're watching the creation of the empire and the social implications of that on society or on the galaxy and it's really interesting to see this side of things from like clone troopers who the order didn't go off in their brain um, or rather not all of them. Uh, one of their members, I think his name is bullseye. I can't remember his name. He's the sharpshooter. He's the sniper guy, uh, that I don't like. So I don't remember his name. Um, but he, uh, his order 66 chip in his brain worked. No one else's did. So he goes empire. Everybody else goes on their own. Uh, and that's like the rift that they establish early on. Um, it's a it's a really well done show. The animation is good. It feels like Star Wars. Like they do a really good job with like 
panning scenes. It's a good pace. It's a slow pace, despite the fact that there's lots of action. There's always a mission, uh, but there's a lot of like setup. It feels like the Mandalorian, uh, especially because when you draw the comparison that the Mandalorian is taking place just after the fall of the empire. And this is just after the creation of the empire. So both of these stories are happening with non main timeline characters that are experiencing a massive shift in society from a galactic standpoint. So it's really interesting in, in terms of seeing how they're showing the, the empire come to power and how they have to like identify with, I can't remember the name of the code, but each, each person has like a citizen code that they're being assigned and you can trade in your credits for Republic credits for the new uh, Imperial credits and basically trying to get everybody under the same economy and everybody under the same rule, which is the, we'll, we'll say it's like the, not illusion, but it's, it's like the, it's the temptation that they want to bring people under the thumb of the empire, have everything controlled by the empire. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, the downside, the things that I didn't like about the introduction of the bad batch from the clone wars was the less than imaginative stereotypes. It's basically the Ninja Turtles. Like you've got, you know, you'd like, you've got the leader, uh, Hunter, you've got the big guy, Raphael, you've got the smart guy, Donatello, you know, you've got the, um, the, the funny, well, there's not really a funny guy. I guess they kind of mix that in with the, the big guy, but like the, yeah, they have these archetypes like uh, tech is the nerdy guy. He's got glasses. He's always fiddling with electronics and he, he talks like a stereotypical nerd from like a nineties television show. So they've really not stretched the archetypes at all. Um, I think again, that the name bullseye is the name of the guy that, that stays with the empire. And he, you just, you know, he's a bad guy from the moment that he opens his mouth, even before the chip turns on in his head, you just don't like him. He's seedy. He's always scowling. He's, he talks like a snake. He always has like a whisper talk, you know? So you're just immediately, your brain goes, bad guy. I don't care what you're going to throw me. That's the bad guy, <laughs> you know? So that kind of stuff is, is annoying. Um, and Wrecker, as cool as he is as a character, I'm kind of done with the whole big dumb guy. Like, why does the muscle of the group have to be the dumb guy? Uh, I really would like to see a little bit more of a cross uh, between, say, like the dumb, the the smart guy also being the the muscle, you know, or like the the sharpshooter guy. Maybe he's the leader. I don't know. Like they could do a little bit more uh, in there. But there's a lot of really cool uh, Easter eggs. Uh, small spoiler. Uh, one of the missions they have to retrieve uh, a, the, what they think is a person. Uh, I think Mochi was the name that they were given. Go get Mochi. You'll get paid when you bring Mochi back. What they realize when they get there is Mochi is a juvenile rancor. So the, like the, the rancor monster from the main star Wars series. Hmm. And you find out at the end of the, of the, um, of the, of the show that the person that hired them to go get Mochi is Bib Fortuna, who is Jabba the Hutt's right-hand man. So you're witnessing the the retrieval of Mochi to Jabba. And in the timeline, this is all like Anakin Skywalker just turned into Darth Vader. So by the time Luke Skywalker is is in his 
late 20s in the return of the jedi you've basically got like it's the rancor from the return of the jedi that these guys just rescued from a slaving camp like there's little tie-ins like that that they really thought through so the star wars fans are going to be excited to see that kind of stuff whereas if you're watching it with your kids and they've got no idea what's going on then they're just going to enjoy the episode because a fight with a juvenile rancor is as crazy as you think it is and like that kind of stuff has been really really fun um, but overall, I mean, I'm happy to say that I can recommend the show. I'm only halfway through. Uh, there's still opportunity for them to to drop the ball. Um, but uh, it's much better than the Clone Wars implementation. And the the heart of it is the relationship between Hunter and Omega. He becomes a father figure. They're all clones. They're all different clones. They're not the same as all the, the ones that are fighting in the Clone Wars. And she's in danger because uh, clones that are not part of order 66 or did not obey order 66 are being hunted dead and destroyed. So they're trying to protect this kid who doesn't know any better and can't protect herself because she grew up on uh, Camino and her naivete is not because she's dumb. She's a really intelligent kid, but she's really inexperienced. She's very sheltered. So when she wanders off on a crowded planet, it's not that she's just disobeying. She's just never been off world. So like it's all brand new and they do a really good job of kind of like bringing the wonder of Star Wars traveling through space. The first time you're in space, the first time you shoot a blaster, there's all this kind of cool first time stuff that you get to relive through Omega. And they do a really good job of, of giving you that information, but not smacking you over the head with it. It's really subtle. Um, I would recommend it for people, especially if you liked the Clone Wars, if you liked Rebels, uh, I think you're really going to like the Bad Batch. And I'm happy that I was wrong uh, about my expectations for it. Um, if you've watched the Bad Batch premiere in or be introduced in the Clone Wars, just know that it's not that campy. It's it's a much better it's a much better story. Have you watched this at all? Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I have not watched any of the sort of canon um animated shows for star wars like i'm not a huge star wars fan uh i appreciate that people really do enjoy the animated you know canon star wars stuff but like i just uh i haven't been able to get into it like i don't i'm not as connected because because it's funny like for me when i look at the star wars animated stuff it's like okay it's nice that it's connected but i it doesn't as someone who's disconnected from the franchise it doesn't feel like essential watching for me. Like I can watch, I can watch the main stuff. I can watch the live action television shows. Um, I much, I just much prefer live action versus animated. Although I've been watching a lot more animated stuff these days. And I feel like you can understand like the big tentpole releases without the animated stuff. But if you're a huge fan of star Wars or whatever, you know, insert franchise. I mean, look at what if, like uh, I'm, I'm enjoying what if because it's connected to the Marvel universe, but I understand those who feel like you don't have to watch it. Like, cause you don't, it, you could skip it. it. It feels like it's, you know, um, uh, you know, running in parallel. You don't need to know what happens in it, but you can enjoy the ride. And I think it's the same way with, uh, with Clone Wars and, and Bad Batch and such, where it's nice that it has those connections for huge fans. Like, the Rancor scene, I can appreciate that as like, that's a really cool connection. Whereas I know a lot of people might be like, Oh, do we really need to know where the Rancor came from? It's like, 
No, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, it's cool to have those connections. And that's the reason these shows exist to like fill in a bit of the gaps that maybe didn't need to be addressed, but it's nice that they are and feel this connected world. Like I can appreciate that from afar, but um, yeah, I've just been, I just have not been able to get into it. And I, I think I do, I will say this, I do appreciate sort of the structured approach that Disney plus allows where I know there isn't going to be eight seasons in a movie of bad batch. There's probably going to be just enough similar to what they did with rebels where they had a finite amount of series. But if you look at clone wars, like it was, it started on normal television. So like they just, they kept doing seasons until they were canceled in which they got revived. I think by, was it Netflix? I think they brought back a season on Netflix to kind of wrap the story up. No, it was Disney um, plus. Oh, no. They came back on oh, Disney plus. Yeah. Maybe they got brought back. I think they got brought back twice. <laughs> yeah. Now that maybe. I think about it. So it's, that's the kind of thing where I've struggled to get into it. Cause it's like, yeah, there are eight seasons, but there's like five and a half seasons of really good content there. And it's like, Oh, I much prefer this focused Disney plus approach where we're getting, you know, here's three seasons and we're ending it, which I think is what they did with rebels. Right. Yeah. The, the thing with, uh, with clone wars now, because like you said, it's that, it's that old television model cartoon network mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, eventually Disney, um, not Disney Plus. I can't remember what they called their Disney TV channel, but uh, oh, Disney XD. XD. Thank you. Yeah. So with with that stuff, the nice thing about Clone Wars is that you can go to like the Wikipedia website or Clone Wars fan stuff, and you can just get like a list of key essential episodes. So before, uh, and this is a, a big spoiler for anybody that have you seen season two of Mandalorian? I did, yeah. Yes, okay. So, if, folks, this is a season two spoiler for Mandalorian. So if you haven't, just close your eardrums for just a second. Um, Ahsoka is in season two. And it had been a while. Um, and I wanted to watch the season seven of Clone Wars before season two of um, Mandalorian. And so I didn't want to go back and watch all of Clone Wars, but it's been a really long time. So I looked up, like, key Ahsoka moments in not just Clone Wars, but key Ahsoka moments in Clone Wars, Rebels, and then season um, seven of Clone Wars actually focuses quite heavily on Ahsoka. So there was a really cool um, ability to go watch like a handful of episodes and kind of refresh your brain. Or even if you're new to the series, just skip all the kiddie droid episodes and all that kind of stuff that's meant to fill the 21 episodes of a television season. Uh, and just focus on the stuff that you're interested in. So that kind of stuff is cool. Uh, there's certainly a lot more in Bad Batch for people that are big Clone Wars fans. Uh, you know, there's there's callbacks. There's there's other characters from Clone Wars that are like fan favorites that are certainly making appearances in in Clone Wars. I only recognize some. Uh, the rest are kind of like over my head. Um, but everything else about it is 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 pretty good so far. Um, has there been anything on on your small screen the last little while that you want to share? It's funny. I say uh, the reason I kept saying canon Star Wars animated television is because uh, I did watch a little bit of. I think I'm halfway through Star Wars Visions. Um, I ended up uh, watching I think uh, through episode five. So I by no means have completed it, but I have watched um, the first half and. Uh, I was really intrigued by Star Wars Visions when it was announced because it was um, more of an anthology series where they were sort of exploring 
the anime art style and handing over the franchise to a bunch of different studios, which results in varying, uh, you know, degrees uh, and animation styles within the anime um, styling uh, focused on Star Wars. And um, I got to say, I, I really like I really love the first episode, which is more of like a samurai film style. Like, um, I, again, I don't watch a lot of anime, so I don't know the specific styling, but like it has a very specific style to it. And they adhere to it throughout that episode with um, the more black and white animation style with like colors popping through like key colors of uh, the lightsabers and um, different, uh, I think, kyber crystals, I think is what was going on there. But uh, I accidentally, when you queue it up, it started in Japanese, and I figured that was just the way I, I had to watch it, um, which I know, I'm sure some people would, would prefer to watch it, you know, Japanese with subtitles. But uh, I did eventually switch it over to English, and I, I got a chance to watch the first episode twice. And I got to say, it's like, it's a really interesting, you know, Star Wars. I've never seen Star Wars like this before, and I think that's what is most exciting about Visions. And by no means I'm going to sit here and say every episode is fantastic. Um, I think the second episode, while felt very anime, felt within the style of anime, but it was just, it was not my, it's not my style of, of, uh, of television I usually watch, but I could appreciate it, you know, for what it was. But it was like, uh, I think it was like the band one where... Yeah, the two that yeah. you're talking about. The duel is episode one. Yeah. Uh, and Tatooine Rhapsody is the one about uh, a Jedi that goes undercover and joins a musical group. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I had, I've only watched the first two. I haven't gone on to watch the other ones yet. I do plan on it. Um, the duel is visually stunning, like really yeah. interesting style. Uh, I like, and I agree with your point to, to seeing Star Wars in a new way and allowing them to do kind of like whatever they want. Not that they can't do whatever they want with special effects, but when you're doing live action, there's a certain amount of believability that you kind of have to keep in there. And with animation, you can kind of push that even farther. Um, the thing that I didn't understand about the first one was the story wasn't very well communicated. Um, mm. you have this samurai that's traveling from town to town and he battles the evil, you know, Sith that attacks the town, but you don't get any other story as to who he is, why he's doing what he's doing, nothing. Um, and that might be a nod to that style of, of storytelling, uh, or those kinds of films, but, uh, I wasn't a big fan of that lack of information. Um, but everything else was fine. But I mean, the duel kind of in the title, it just kind of tells you it's just the fight. There's not really... Yeah much going on beyond it's mostly a, that 15 minutes it's mostly lightsaber battle which is very yeah. well done um, yeah i think the idea behind that one is um they do call him the ronin and i again i'm not as mm -hmm. well versed in samurai films but um it, essentially he appears to be like a, a a sith hunter and he he was sith or or uses the the sith lightsaber to kind of like keep his enemies you know catch his enemies off guard like it's it's hard to say but like i think that that one's animation style is really cool um all i'll say about episode three is like i don't think that's how lightsabers work but i appreciate <laughs> uh the animation it yeah. is really cool um and i think that's the thing like if you're um obviously we all know those folks who are like diehard star wars fans but like they hold it to a specific rule set you have to throw that rule set out because there there are episodes like episode three that basically take star wars and and just like move it in a completely different direction and it 
very much lean into the anime style. But I think episode five, um, and again, I won't go into spoilers, but episode five, I think, is called The Ninth Jedi. And it tells a very interesting, grounded, um, uh, complete story from beginning to end that feels very much like it, it could be placed within Star Wars. And every other episode really, that I've watched so far feels like, okay, this is this is a Star Wars adjacent story, like a parallel story that's happening based on this studio's sort of um, style. But episode five feels like this is done in their style, but is a story that that adheres to the playbook, you know, um, that Disney probably gave them and said, look, if you want to use it, by all means, but if you don't, it's all good. Here are the sound files. You're all set. And uh, I think episode five really represents like a, like a real um a, a real connection to uh the star wars lore and canon and feels like a, a really good it's playing both parts really well like it's a great anime but it's also a great star wars i'm looking forward to seeing the rest uh despite tattooing rhapsody not really um being something that i enjoyed i it's basically like it's it's like a musical where the the band plays songs and they finally get to play for for Jabba at the pod racing uh, event. But the thing that I that really got me is that they play the entire song. Like they don't just kind of start into a song, do a verse, and then they cut to the next scene. It really is like a music video uh, where the entire song is part of the short. And I fast forwarded through it and I missed nothing. Look at that kind of stuff just wasn't my thing. Uh, it reminds me of the experiences I used to have when I would go to animation festivals when I was working in the animation industry, where you're in a theater, you're going to watch five to 10 short animations, uh, and you don't have a fast forward button. You're going to have to sit through some of these artsy films that may or may not look good, may or not may or may not be you know making statements that you either want to see, agree with, or whatever. And it was always hit or miss. Like you would literally only ever like, you know, one or two out of the five or 10 that you're um, being presented. Um, it felt kind of like paying your dues a little bit in terms of making sure that you're opening your eyes to like a wider variety of styles of animation and uh, culture and stuff. But um, at least with Star Wars Visions, I can just say like, well, you know what? This one isn't for me. I can just probably fast forward a bit and see what's up and then move on. Um, I am looking forward to uh, The Ninth Jedi because uh, I remember... Um, seeing that in the trailer and thinking like, okay, that, that looks like it might be a little bit more of a serious take uh, on it. So uh, I'm definitely going to finish the series, but uh, I will be keeping my thumb over the, the fast forward button for stuff that I'm not super, super into. Moving on into the internet minute, which is brought to you by you. If you would like to support the show, we are 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only discord server. That server is shared with my Twitch channel as well as my personal Patreon. So there's lots of people in there. And of course, you can enjoy benefits like a website credit and thanks. And of course, bonus episodes when we have a chance to record them patron count is at 25 i checked that this morning that's steady on from last week if you would like to be 26 then visit patreon.com slash the civil cafe and consider joining today normally this is where you know we share something cool or fun or engaging uh sometimes i'll, I'll share some uh green tech some environmentally 
cool thing that's happening. Um, but in Canada today, it is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The day honors the lost children and survivors of residential schools and their families and communities. It's a public commemoration of the tragic and painful history of ongoing impacts of residential schools and a vital component of the reconciliation process. If you're not familiar with residential schools in, in Canada, uh, we'll have a link to uh, canada.ca and the, uh, the website for uh, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in the show notes. Another link in the show notes will be the Mi'kmaq Native Friendship Center, which is a local uh, community uh, center and outreach uh, here in Nova Scotia. The Mi'kmaq Native Friendship Society is a nonprofit board-governed organization that currently operates nine core community programs. It is one of 119 friendship centers across Canada. So for people looking to uh, either donate to a worthy cause, uh, look up information about how to participate and educate yourself around the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, we will have links in the show notes for that kind of stuff. And Ryan, you had uh, another link that you wanted to share as well. I think there's uh, obviously a, a lot of great organizations you can donate to uh, for National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Um, but one that's come come across my desk was the Indian Residential School Survivors Society. Uh, it's a Canadian charity, and it's it's popped up a lot. I know it's a lot of a lot of businesses are sort of donating proceeds to to this organization. So um, if you are looking for a like a like a, a Canadian wide organization that you're looking for something to donate to, this is a good one that's um, been highly recommended. But obviously, there's there's lots of options, and and really just you know educating yourself it's it's a core thing that that needs to be done in, in terms of this day so i think like um donating is great educating yourself is great and and i think these links here will will be a, a really great place to start i think the canada.ca link offers a lot of great resources um for you to check out so uh, definitely definitely take a look well, that wraps up this episode of The Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Ryan and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you'd like to share the podcast with a friend, word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just tell friends about The Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnshugs.com. Looking at a busy news cycle the next little while as more snapshots are coming out. And we're looking at a Minecraft live event on October 16th. So more news about Minecraft coming down the tubes in October. Today, I will point you towards twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I stream satisfactory Minecraft and a variety of other things. Uh, going into October, who knows? Maybe one of these new video games will catch my fancy and we'll be streaming that too. Ryan, where can people find you, the work that you do, and all the fun stuff? So you can catch my podcasts at uh, tgistudios.com. There's The Gamers In, which is a general gaming podcast. Zombies Ate My Podcast, which I do with your co-host Lou uh, about zombies. And uh, Dungeons and Diapers, which is a show I do with Crofton Steers. Uh, we talk about you know, raising kids and also a lot of geeky stuff too. So um, if you enjoy conversations about Star Wars and Mario and all that fun stuff, it's a great place uh, to uh, listen. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned, I think at the top of the show, um, 
Extra Life is back. I'm doing a campaign to raise funds for Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto. It's a Children's Miracle Network Hospital. Um, you can donate to my campaign at bit.ly slash Extra Life Ryan. Part of Extra Life is, is playing games to raise funds for these charities. And uh, I've got a couple of events coming up, including uh, we're going to be playing Marvel Avengers on Friday, October 15th with the Dungeons and Diapers crew. We're going to be starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find us streaming live at twitch.tv slash RyanMurphyCA. And uh, a couple other events happening throughout October and November. Um, definitely check out my my page. I'll have all those, those events listed, but... We're going to be playing Dark Pictures Anthology, uh, the new one that I mentioned earlier, House of Ashes. Uh, we're going to be doing some Halloween stuff. And, of course, game day is November 6th, so there's going to be a big stream that day as well. So lots of fun to be had. And like I said, every dollar you donate goes to Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto, which is a Children's Miracle Network hospital. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. 